Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 9 and meet me at verse 15. Numbers chapter 9 and verse 15. I'm going to read through verse 22. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. I am inspired by this passage of Scripture And I want you guys to pray for me as I deliver this word. I've never preached this message before. And so that it will come out with articulation and clarity and that you will gain understanding and benefit your life. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed over, stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. And let's conclude at this verse. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. Turn to your neighbor. And I want you to say this to your neighbor, don't get stuck in the transition. Don't get stuck in the transition. Turn to them and say, how flexible are you? How flexible are you? I want to give you a little background here momentarily, just to give you a little historical uh, documentation. The Israelites were held captive by the Egyptians for over 400 years. They were enslaved and in bondage to the Egyptians, but the Lord miraculously delivered them from the bondage of the Egyptians through many miracles, signs, and wonders, revealing that he is the Lord and no one else is. And the promise, the prophecy to the Israelites were that God would give them a promised land. That land was promised to Abraham, the father of the Israelites, that they would have a land of their own, and this land would be flowing with milk and honey, or you can say there would be more than enough in this land. And so the Lord has delivered them from the Egyptians when they had... Uh, not enough. When they were in Egypt, they had not enough, and he was taking them to the land of more than enough, but he took them to the land of more than enough by the route and the route of the land of just enough. And in the land of just enough, this is what we call the wilderness, the wilderness experience. And when he delivered 
the Lord delivered them out of Egypt, he had to take them through the longest route to get to the promised land because he needed to deliver Egypt out of them. So he delivered them out of Egypt, but they still had Egypt in them. And if they took Egypt in them into the promised land, it would not be a good thing. And so the Lord had to take them through the wilderness. Matter of fact, Exodus 13 tells us he didn't take them through the shortest route. He actually took them through the longest route because it's in the process by which they are going to the promised land. It is when you, when you, through the power of the Lord, get rid of what's on the inside of you. God had to get Egypt out of them so that they can be ready to get to the promised land. And the promised land is always a place of more than enough. Well, while they were in the wilderness, and I must say this, let me just say this, this is not my message, but I have to say this. The, the promised land justifies preparation so that when it appears, how many of you believe in God for something? When, when it appears, it justifies preparation so that when it does appear, it won't disappear. Okay, you got, you got to follow me on this because what happens is we get to a place and we're not ready for it. No, I didn't say that you weren't talented enough. I, I didn't say that you, 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 weren't, uh, you didn't look good enough. You weren't ready for what the promise that the Lord has for you, you're not ready for yet. Matter of fact, some of you are believing for a spouse, and I want to let you know, I believe that your spouse may not be ready yet. And so you're like, I'm ready, Lord, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. The Lord said, they ain't ready yet. So they got to get ready. They got to get prepared. They got to go through the wilderness because when God takes you through the wilderness, it's always a place of testing and preparation so that you can be ready to get to the place that God has you. See, it's in this process that you learn more about yourself that you didn't know. It's in this process that you learn more about God that you didn't know. And if everything was just cotton candies and peaches and cream, you would think that you did it. You would think it was your talent and it's your ability and it's your skill set and, and, and it's your money. But God has to show you it's not about you. I, I, I say this all the time, but if, if the Lord would have placed me in a church and it had 30,000 people and it, the Lord placed me from my job at the bank to overseeing 30,000 people in the church, 29,999 would have left because either I would have kicked them all out or they just couldn't, they, they couldn't handle it because I wasn't ready for something like that. So I have to get ready for something like that. And the way the Lord gets you ready for something like that is he gives you small responsibilities, little increments of responsibilities at a time. And if you can be faithful with those, uh, what you consider a small responsibility, God can see that you can be trusted with more. And so many of you think getting to the promised land is like an elevator. I get on the elevator and I press four, seven, and I go straight up, but it's more like an escalator. You go up some and then you level off and you go up some and then you level off. And then one day when you are ready and only God knows when you're ready, you'll get to the place that he has set aside for you. Now, I, now that was free. I mean, that wasn't part of the message, but if you got something, say amen out of that. And so the, 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 they're in the wilderness, 
And, and while they're in the wilderness, it's the wilderness is a desert. And they are marching. Three million of them, by the way, are marching through the wilderness. It's a 15-mile radius that took them 40 years. Mm. Talking about a group of people that weren't ready. Took them 40 years to get to the promised land. But as they're marching through the wilderness, God provides mercy and grace for them. He brings his presence in a cloud by day. And don't you know that this cloud is a, sh- a shade for the sun in the desert for them? This cloud, his presence is so large that it's just giving them shade in the desert. And then by night, the cloud would turn into fire, which is giving them light in the midst of such darkness. God is showing them that I love you and I care about you and and I'm going to send you my cloud, which is me in the cloud, and I'm going to send you my fire, which is me in the fire, and you're going to be led and guided by the cloud and the fire. But here's the part that uh, impressed me, that just made a major impression upon me. When the cloud moved, they moved. And when we read the passage of Scripture, it said the cloud would stay a day, it'll stay a few days, it'll stay a year. And then they would move when the cloud moved. My question to you is, how flexible are you? Change is constant. Matter of fact, there are only two constants in all of our existence. (laughs) Jesus Hebrews 13.8 tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There's continuity in Jesus. He is constant. While everything else is up and down, Jesus can be depended upon. He is constant. And what you see in him in the Gospels is what you should see him today, is how you should see him in the future. Jesus is the same. He is constant. He is unwavering. He is unchangeable. He is changeless. He remains the same. And John 1, 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word never changed. It can't be altered. It can't be deviated from. The Word is the same. It remains the same. So Jesus is constant. But there's another constant. And that constant is change. Change is constant. Matter of fact, change happens so much. And my question to you is, do you get stuck in the transitions? I mean, how do you adapt in a constantly changing world? How do you adapt? And I noticed that the Israelites adapted very well in the changes. Listen to me. They were flexible. They were adaptable. They were adjustable. They were stretchable. When the cloud moved, now now understand, follow me. They had to set up the tabernacle everywhere they went. So here they are. The cloud stopped. Oh, okay. Set up the tabernacle. Somebody had to get their hammer. Somebody had their nails. Carpenters had to come out, they had to get the tabernacle set up, and they would get it set up, and whoo, there's the tabernacle, the presence of the Lord is over the tabernacle, but then the cloud said, you know what, I want to move a year from now, 
Okay, we'll pick up all the stuff, grab it, the cloud's moving, let's get it up, get all the tents, let's fold it in there. Come on, let's skip lunch because we got work to do because the cloud's moving and let's get, the, let's get the camp going. Then the cloud will go up the road and it will stop and it's okay, let's put the tabernacle back up, let's build it back up. They were very adaptable and they would get the hammers and the nails and they would get it set back up and then the cloud decided, I'm only going to be here just today. Oh my gosh, we don't hear any complaining about this. The cloud moved. Let's get the tent back up. Let's get everything back up. Let's pack it up. Let's roll it up. All hands on deck. The cloud only stayed one day this time. How comfortable you are you with change? See, it, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, that means we're going to be on the move. And things are going to change often. Matter of fact, let me just set you free. When Jesus said uh, foxes, foxes don't have holes, herds and birds don't have nests, or the Son of Man don't have nowhere to lay his head, he didn't say he was homeless. It's not what he said. That's what tradition would teach you. I can show you scripture if I have more time that Jesus had a house. He had a beach house. I can show you that in scripture too. Let me just, Matthew 13, 1. Just don't put it on the screen, but you just look at that yourself. And so, uh, no, what he was saying was, I'm on the move. So don't get so settled where you are. Don't get so settled by where you are at this moment or what's going on at this moment because I am on the move. And because I am on the move, things could change. Because I am on the move, things could be rearranged. Because I'm on the move, you may not be as comfortable where you think you are because I may keep moving. Jesus is requiring us to be on the move. Today, we need flexible people. We got to have flexibility today. You have to be able to embrace change and say, this is a part of life, and I'm going to change along with it. Now, I'm not talking about changing values, morals, or scriptures, I'm not changing the Bible or, you know, I changed my mind. I, the Bible said that's wrong, but I'm going to change my mind. That's not what I'm talking about because Jesus is the same. We're going we're gonna to stay steady on Jesus. But uh, things will change. Uh, a lot of change happens suddenly. Sudden change. Can I be transparent with you? A, a, a miscarriage could be sudden change. Uh, my, my spouse filed for divorce or, or I found out they were cheating. Could be sudden. All of a sudden, there's sudden change. I have a friend of mine. He, he worked for a company. The company was bought out by another company, so there was some overlap in positions. They did a random sort of, literally it was random, sort of um, elimination process. We're just going to randomly pick folks, and these folks would no longer have a job. Um, I don't know how they did it, but this guy was a top salesman in the company. And he literally said he got a call. And from that call, he was told that you no longer have a job. We're going to give you a little six-week severance, whatever the case may be. So he called me, and it's interesting because I, I thought about this story at the beginning, um, driving in today, and this particular guy is a partner of our ministry. He's a good friend of mine, and he, he's a partner of our ministry. He lives in another state. 
And he called me, and I was at the church today, and he said, man, I just got to let go. He was really sad, and he was like, I'm trying to figure out why me. I was a top producer. Why did they let me go? I mean, I mean, I, I, there's people down here that don't do as much as I do, and why they let me go? And he's on and on and on, and, I, and I'm feeling what, what he's going through, and I'm listening to him like, man, I don't know. But I said, don't get stuck in the transition. Don't get stuck in the transition. I said, you've always told me that you wanted to flip houses. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted, which is flipping house means you buy a house, you fix it up, and then you sell it for more money than you bought it. He's always wanted to flip houses. He's also told me he's wanted to be a landlord, own property. Now, before working this job, he, he didn't do any of this. Within one year, because he didn't get stuck in transition. Within one year, he had already flipped a house, and he owns two properties that he's a landlord over. Within one year. Getting stuck in transition was, would be, oh, I just can't believe they let me go. <laughs> oh, gosh, and I, I need to file a lawsuit, and I need to, oh, oh, oh gosh, and I'm just going to sit on my fanny for four months, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and maybe they'll give me my job back, and oh, my goodness. And too often, there are people stuck in the transition. How many of you ever read that book, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? You ever read that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, yeah. The cheese has moved. It's moved. I recommend, it's not a, a spiritual book, but I actually recommend you read it. The cheese has moved. You, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to move with the transition. And too often we get stuck in the transition. You know why? Because we resist change. Because we're afraid of change. We like things comfortable. We, we like things ready. You know, I'm, I'm ready. Just give it to me. I, I, I don't want to change. I don't want to develop. I, I, I don't want to increase my skill set. I don't want to go back to school. I, I don't want to learn how to cook. I, I don't want to learn how to swim. I, I don't want to learn how to play the keyboard. I, I, just, I just want you just to give it to me. And change requires discipline because your emotions will be all over the place when change happens. I'm not saying be emotionless. Don't get me wrong. We have emotions for a reason. We are supposed to feel things. Don't, don't get caught up in somewhere. I don't feel nothing. Then you may be dead. You, you should feel something, but those emotions shouldn't lead or dictate and guide your life. But you should feel. That's what compassion is all about. I feel what you feel. That's why I can be moved with compassion because I feel what you feel. And so we should feel something, but we shouldn't allow our feelings to dictate our behavior. If we do, we'll be stuck in transition. Many years ago, before I moved to Charlotte, if you've been with me a while, you, you've heard a little bit of this story before. But I had gotten fired from a job. I had, I had gotten let go, wrongfully fired, to the place where people were coming to me saying, you literally have a lawsuit. You, they, I had not been written up. I had not had any warnings. I just walked into a room, and they said, you are fired. And it was like, what? I had no idea. And I was the only one that got fired. It wasn't nobody else. I was the only one. 
And the people said, you have lawsuits and this and that and the third, and you could file this and you could do that. And, and I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do any of that. Um, I was hurt. I was upset. I, I thought that I would be at this position for a long time. But here's what I did. I said, Lord, I said, I'm going to look at this as if you got something better for me. I'm not going to look at what has been lost. I'm going to look at the potential of what can come after this. And I wrote this down. Change your perception about change from losing something to gaining something. Think about what you could gain instead of what you are losing. Think about what you could gain instead of what you are losing. Because change could lead to something better. It could lead to something better. And this change surprised me. When they let me go, it surprised me. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I ended up, because of this change, I ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. I was in Fort Worth, Texas at the time. And this was a spearhead for a shift in my life. Now, listen to me. There is an anointing for a shift to happen in your life. God is shifting things, Drew, in your life. Things are being changed. Things are being transformed. Things are being rearranged. Things are shifting in your life. And it's always uncomfortable when things begin to shift. It's very, very nerve-wracking, and it's and you're, you, I don't, it's unknown, and, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, but God's saying there's some things shifting in your life. And when this shift happened for me, I went and I said, you know what? I'm going to get out of Fort Worth, Texas. I was single at the time, and I'm going to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. I had no promise of a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. Except I'm coming to Charlotte. I knew a church here and I said, I'm going to connect with this church and I'm going, I knew the pastor and I'm just going to go serve. I'm going to go serve there. And that shift led me to meet my wife and all of my kids now and this beautiful church that we have today simply because I didn't get stuck in the transition. I could have been bitter. This, what I worked for was a ministry that fired me. I could have just said, I'm done with ministry. I'm tired. I'm not doing none of this ministry. They phonies. They fakes. I ain't got nothing to do with them. No ministry. I'm done. But I said, no, no, by the grace of God. This is not praising Devon. This is by the grace of God. No, 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 no. No, I've got a shift. God's got a plan for me. And there was one particular older gentleman that reached out to me, and he, he wanted to get together a lot because he said, man, there's a call on your life, and, and there's God's got mighty things. Don't let this stop you. And I thank God for him because sometimes we need people to speak truth to our life. And thank God for him. He's like, don't let it stop you. And, and God's got something for you. And this ain't the only place you can minister, and God's got something for you. Now, the good thing is this, this ministry to this day, I'm still, I'm still in, in, in good partnership with them. They have me on TV a couple of times. I've been on their show. Praise God. But the key is if you get stuck in the transition, you won't be able to move when things are being moved. And God wants to shift you. Now, I do want to talk about relationships because there are relationships that God will begin to shift in your life. I'm thinking about when I married Stacy, 
leading up to it, I had a handful of friends, and these particular friends were, I thought they were my friends forever. You know what I'm talking about? Until I said I was going to get married. Oh, no, we, we can't be friends. I had one particular guy was, I, I said, now, we're not, we not dating, dude. You know, I can't, you, you don't talk to me no more. What you talking about? I got a woman. What you said? Things have shifted. You know what I mean? And, yeah, I, and then, then people, you didn't, how many people dealt with this that are married and dealt with this? You didn't invite me to the wedding and, and I'm not your friend anymore. I've had people do that. Oh, I'm, we're not friends because I didn't get invited to the wedding. I didn't think we were friends in the first place. That's why you didn't get invited. And so there are three, I'm going to talk about relationships because there are three different types of people in, in, in relationships you'll deal with. There, there are people, and I'll give credit this time. I heard Bishop T.D. Jake say this, and this is the last time I'm going to say he said it, okay? So he said this, but I thought it was really, really good. But there are three different types uh, of people that you'll deal with. One, he calls it a confidant. And this particular type of person is someone that is for you. They are for you, and you're only going to have a handful of them in your life. Because I want to talk to you about shifting in relationships. You're not going to have a handful. These people are for you. If you're up, they are for you. They rejoice when you rejoice. They're excited when you're excited. When you're down, they come down with you. And they, they feel what you feel. And they try to encourage you. They are for you. Things can't break up that type of relationship. I mean, they are with you and they are for you. They want to be with you. They love you. And, and you can't even shake these people out your life. They are with you. And I've got, I remember I'm telling stories because my anniversary is coming up in May. So I'm, I'm thinking about these, these stories. I remember there are two particular friends that lived in another state and I asked them to fly in. Before I married Stacy, I said, I just want you to meet Stacy. Now, my pastor had gave the approval of it, and I said, I want you to meet. And they met, and they said, okay, we like Stacy. I said, because these guys are for me. They want what's best for me. They're my confidants. Then there's a group of people that are called constituents. And these people are only for what you are for. So they are not for you. They're for what you are for. So, for example, you may be working a job, and you guys are working the, the, doing the same thing at the job, and you guys think you're friends, but you're not friends. You're just all for the same thing, and you guys kind of got along together, and, oh, that's my friend. Nope, as soon as you leave that job, you ain't ever going to talk to them again. The, they're called constituents. They forward you for, and you got to be careful with the constituent, because if they can get somewhere faster by connecting with someone else, they will leave you and jump on that bandwagon to go to another person that they think they can get whatever they want faster. So they are not for you. They are for what you are for, but they're not for you. And then the last group of people, he called them comrades. And comrades are against what you are against. So they're not for you, they're not for what you are for, but they are against what you are against. So uh, let's give you a biblical example. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were not for each other. Matter of fact, if you, as you read your scriptures, you'll find out they argued all the time about political and, and religious aspects of the, the law. They argued all the time. But when Jesus came on the scene, all of a sudden, 
We got to get rid of this dude named Jesus. Let's come together. We don't, we don't agree with each other. We're not for each other, but we are against this dude. And so let's come together and we'll come together against this dude. You'll sit in the political arena all the time. I, I, I'm thinking right now in the political arena, one of the ones that was very apparent, uh, apparent was when Barack Obama was running for president. And then all of a sudden, McCain and Hillary teamed up and said, we got to get rid of this Barack Obama. And they started saying the same thing against Barack Obama. Now, they weren't for each other. And they weren't for what each other were for, but they were against what, 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 what they were against, and they came together for that common purpose. And here's what you have to recognize in your relationships. The only way you get hurt in a relationship is when you confuse these three people. Let me say it again. The only way you get hurt is when you confuse a constituent to be a confidant. Then you get hurt. Because I thought they were for me. And if you take a step back, they weren't for you. They were just for what you were for. And you get hurt because, I, I, man, that person, that person hurt me. I thought we were friends. No, no. That's the problem. You confused them. They were just someone you met in uh, you know, middle school, someone you met in high school, someone you met in college, and they weren't really for you. Y'all just have some kind of the, some similar kind of things going on. And, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you get mad because, well, I, I voted for this, but I vote, I'm mad at you. I want to, they weren't for you because if they're for you, they should, they shouldn't care who voted for who. And you get hurt. When you can't distinguish who they are. So I want you to, I want you to do some inventory in your life. Look at your people and say, who is for me? And I'm going to give you, this is a test. Tell somebody something good happening in, in your life. Just tell them, say, 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 uh, you know what? Uh, I paid my car off. Just tell somebody that. If they sit there and just stare at you, they're not for you. <laughs> if they, if they start talking about themselves, when you tell them something good, they're not for you. Just recognize right away, that person's not for me. But to just say, glory to God, you paid your car off? Oh, I know that feels great to pay your car off. Oh, my goodness. I, oh, man, I can't wait. One day I will too, but I'm excited for you. That person is for you. That's the test. There's this, well, I won't tell the story. And so you know that when you are in a shift, and God will shift relationships. During I, I, Since COVID, I've had so many relationships shifted. We just, people that I was cool with, we just not, we just not as cool anymore. And there's no animosity, no bitterness, no anger. It's just a shift. It's a shift. And, and they weren't my confidants. And so I got to recognize that they were my constituents, and God has shifted us. Amen. When you begin to recognize this, you'll flow with change a lot better. You'll flow with it a lot better. There, there have been people that, um, that I have, that, that, that by God's grace, I have helped in some areas and really, really been instrumental during the season. And then I don't talk to them anymore. Not that we're mad. They, they were helped and they don't need to talk to me anymore. And if you're immature, you'll start feeling like, well, well, I helped you. Why don't you talk to me? And then you look and it's been 27 years ago. I helped you do something. Like, 
it, it has shifted. The season has changed. Ecclesiastes 3.1 said there's a time and season for everything. The season has changed. And what I want you guys to understand that shifting takes place in churches. Shifts take place. Seasons change. People come. People go. There's shifting that takes place. It's okay. That's what happens. Now, how we come and how we go is something we could talk more about, but it, it's what happens. A shifting begins to take place, and when God begins to shift, we just have to roll with it. We roll with it. We say, you know, there's something better on the other side of this, and there's something great on the other side of this, and I can't see it right now, but God's going to do something better, and I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't envision it right now, but God's going to do something. And I, I, I have to tell you this, and I, I know you don't think this is true, but I have to tell you this, that everyone is replaceable. I, I, know, I, know, I know you don't think so. Oh, my, they left me. <laughs> I never, oh, my, my husband, he just, he just walked out on me. There are some good men out here. Go get one of them in the name of Jesus. There's some good women out here. Go get one of them in the name of Jesus. Shifting begins to take place. I read, uh, I wrote a blog in December, and, you know, the, the theme this year the Lord gave us was go forward, accelerate, and make room for the new in 22. Come on, say it after me. Go forward, accelerate. And make room for the new in 2022. So I looked at this part of a blog that I had wrote um, earlier this year. I wrote it in December, and it came out in January. And, and the part, this is a paragraph. It says, the unknown is scary, but it's also exciting. There are so many things that might happen. Our plans could change, and the pieces of our lives could be moved around. The people in our lives may come and go. Opportunities might appear or disappear. We may mark the end of a chapter, a season, or even an era in our lives. But such an end often marks the beginning of a new chapter, season, or era. I take great comfort in knowing that my unknown is where God's known begins. My unknown is where God's known begins and if you want to check out that blog, go to DevonAlexander.com, and it's titled Go Forward, and you'll see there in the blog, DevonAlexander.com. But when I read this, this uh, passage here recently, and I was thinking about the word the Lord gave us, go forward, accelerate, and make room for the new, I was really, really excited about this word. I still am excited about the word. Just, just really, really, we're going to go forward, we're going to accelerate and make room for the new. But just like any word from God, there is a double-edged sword. On the other side of the sword, what I didn't realize is when we go forward, some people are going to be left behind. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that, that we're going, to have to, we're going to have to leave some people behind. Did you hear me? Pookie, Ray Ray, that we're going to have to leave them behind. If you want to advance and succeed, you can't take them with you. They don't have the mental capacity or the desire to, to maybe even go with you. So you're going to leave someone behind or someone may leave you. And that's okay. Someone may leave you. So we're going to have to go forward. Why? Well, I'm going to leave somebody behind or someone may leave me, but I'm going to have to still go forward. Accelerate. That means we're going to go faster. 
right? We got to be more efficient. And then this part, make room for the new. And that stuck out, stuck out to me. If we're going to make room for the new, then that means there's going to be change. There's going to be transition. And there's going to be a shift. Because I have to make room for something new. I have to, if I'm going to make room to put my laptop here, I've got to move my Bible and books around to make room. A shift must take place for something new to go here. And when I saw that on the other end of it, I said, Lord, you were trying to prepare me that in this year, some people may not go with me where we're going. And I may not be some people's choice and vice versa, but I got to go forward. I got I to gotta be more efficient, and I got to just make room for the newness that God wants to provide in my life. And, and I, initially, I saw it as, woo, go forward, and now I see it as, oh, Lord, I'm trusting you. <laughs> I, I'm going to leave what's comfortable. I'm going to leave what I know. I'm going to leave what's familiar, and I'm going to leave uh, all these things that I felt like was a, a, a major blessing to me, and I've got to step out into something new. Some of you might be a new job. Some of you, it, it, it might be a, an invention. It, it might be uh, a something that you are working on. I, I need to, I know uh, a couple years ago, it was me taking swim lessons. I needed to step out and take swim lessons because I, I didn't know how to swim. So I had to step. It was uncomfortable. It was unknown, but I had to go forward. And I had to make room for this new opportunity. What does that mean? That means I can't, uh, I, that, that hour that I was practicing swimming, I got to make room for that. Uh, uh, some of you got, you want to write books. You got to make room for that. That means you can't talk to Ray Ray for 30 minutes again. You can't watch SportsCenter. Cut off Netflix. I got to make room for the new that God wants to do in, in, in my life. I got to make room. And, and it might seem sad and it might be disappointing, but the best is yet to come. God's got something greater. God's got something better. And I like this. I take great comfort in knowing that my unknown is where God's known begins. This is so exciting that when you don't know what to do, God knows what to do. All we have to do is just simply shift. Shift the way we think. Shift our perceptions. Shift our framework. We're going to have to shift even in what we think we know in order to go forward. Uh, I was in this quick meeting. Uh, I'll tell the story real quick. It was a pastor's meeting, and a creative guy began to talk to a pastor. And Mystique is here today. She does our social media for us. She does a wonderful job there. She is. And, and one, one, this creative guy said, he, he said, pastors, you're going to have to shift from what you think works. And I said, well, no, I, what do you mean what I think works? Right? I'm sitting there, and I'm going to fight this thing. What do you mean what I think works? And I started to realize I don't know everything about everything. And I don't know what color people like. Oh, people like this color. So, you know, we need to put this color up on social media. I don't even care. If that's what people like, then just pick that color and go with it. But too often, we don't want to shift. And this is, and this is what we do. Well, the Lord said it needs to be orange. The Lord didn't say that. <laughs> you just want orange. Well, the Lord, that's how we get out of it. Well, the Lord said because you don't want any rebuttal. You don't want any pushback. The Lord said it, so I don't want... No, no, no. We're going to have to shift. We're going to have 
to change, we can't get stuck in the transition. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Oh, 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 o